Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hello and welcome to the dark forest. This is Jackie Cation. Uh, you know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, AllThingsComedy.com is the new podcast umbrella, and they have a million other comedy podcasts. If you are looking for more podcasts in your life, that's a good place to start. There is, on JackieCation.com, an Amazon banner, so when you order from Amazon, and we all do, go to JackieCation.com, click on that banner, and then do your regular ordering, and I get a tiny kickback. Life is good. So if that's one way that you can donate and support the show. Another way is to buy merch at JackieCation.com, where I have T-shirts, CDs, and hoodies. I have some hoodies in stock. And then the donation button is there if you want to just donate directly. I'd love everyone to give me a 100 bucks a year. And if you don't have a 100 bucks, well, give me what you can. Or just talk about and buy some merch. Do whatever you want. Anyway, the the credits, of course, Mike Rickberg, Sarah Cohen just sang that song you heard. Mike composed and wrote that song, and he's going to sing Mexican Hat Dance again at the end. Vilmos will fix the website, and Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio. Thanks a lot for listening, folks. Let's get right into it. Hi, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. I'm in Fred Armisen's living room in Portland, Portland, Oregon. Hi. Hi, Fred Armisen. Hi, Jackie. Here we are. Uh It's neat. Thanks. Nice view. It's be, it's the light, and then yeah. you have a really cool kind of. I don't know what that character is. It's sort of the Jack in the Box head, but a lady. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a, a smiley face. You know, one of the classic smiley faces, but it has like a whole regal queen uh, outfit. Like yeah. the it's it's very yeah. it's a beautiful beautiful outfit on this on this lady yeah. with the smiley face head and a crown. And then a backdrop of beautiful different colored potatoes. Yeah, there's something very, it's just, it's very pretty and it's sort of unironic and it's just. It, uh, right, it's completely yeah. unironic. It's yeah. just a celebration of all of those things yeah. that feels both real and whimsical yeah. at the same time. What's her name? Do you remember her uh, name? Maria Joan Dixon. Maria Joan Dixon. I'll put her in the notes because yes. that's neat. Yeah. And, She's uh, a great, brilliant artist. Cool. Local. And d- Portland. local? Portland, yeah. There we go. I uh, I almost had a Portland. I So yesterday I did uh, the live episode. Yes, I know. With Carrie Brownstein. I know. That's. I heard she said it went great. Yeah, it did go really great. <laughs> she is very nice. What a, what a good, nice woman. Anyway, but she was also really into, did she tell you what her dorkdoms were? No, she didn't. Post World War One British oh, literature. Yes. Yeah. She really likes a Virginia Woolf or a Somerset mom. Yeah. It's a little sad sack. We talked about how yeah. uh, sad kind of some of those books are, but she was like, she loves the journey. So it was wow. neat. Yeah. That's so specific. It was very specific. And then there was a uh, socio linguistics. We also talked a little bit about that, mm-hmm. where uh, the sort of the the use of language uh-huh. in modern society and how it's progressed from letter writing and whatnot. Right. And so she she pointed out several what she said were very dry but very interesting books about socio linguistics that people could go to. The newer books. Newer books. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I wonder about, uh, and I don't know what the the name of this is, but not socio linguistics, but the way that accents have changed through the years. Okay. So, so meaning that, you know, there's accents around the country, Southern accent, Boston accent. Now, what have those accents changed from, say, 1970? So, so uh-huh. you know, when you see a movie from the 40s, you know, they've got that weird affectation and, yeah. you know, that we all, you know, that we all do that, that sort of, that that film noir kind of accent, yeah. And then through the fifties and sixties, I think the accent, the American accent, has changed. I just wonder, and I don't know the answer. How has it changed from nineteen eighty till now? Right, right. It must have. It I mean, did. We must have sounded British in the seventeen hundreds or whatever in the eighteen hundreds. What was what's when I see newscasts from back then? I do hear. It, maybe it's my imagination. I do hear a change. No, because you were the last time we saw each other was at Bumbershoot. Yeah. Uh, last September uh, in Seattle. Yeah. And you were doing a bit where you people would yell out an accent from around the country. Yeah, yeah. Was it around the world? Around the world. It was around the world. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. It was. I think there was like somebody yelled out something from Munich, and yeah. you were like, okay. Yeah. And 
it was so I think you are you're very much fascinated by the sound of of people's language absolutely yeah because it's so crazy that it can change so drastically from such a short amount of space right because you'd think it would be the same because of television absolutely or just being in the same country yeah but you go to Scotland and you go from Glasgow to Edinburgh and there's already a, they make fun of each other's accents I'm like Why, how are you guys making fun of each other's accents <laughs> can you hear the difference now a little a little oh, okay like, they, I, I think they're more more tuned into it they can really break it apart for what me what do you hear I hear that to me uh, Glasgow sounds to me like true Scotland and Edinburgh always sounds a little more uh, English like a little less extreme that's my simplistic version of it. Right. Okay. That's my, it's almost like saying the difference between, and this is me, you know. Um, it's all opinion. It's I get it. It's all opinion. Right. To me, the difference between Brooklyn and maybe Manhattan. Okay. To me. Well, Brooklyn, it always feels a little bit um, like they're they're hitting their D's and T's harder. Dual car. Dual. Yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you want to do a little? Dual. A dollar. The dollar, two do- two bucks, two bucks. Uh, yeah, it, it, and then uh, what? What? How do they say two dollars in in Manhattan? I I I almost feel like in Manhattan there's uh, there's barely an accent at all. So I, it flattens out a little bit. I, I think it, it's it's almost it almost sound it could be a non-accent. Manhattan to me sounds almost like parts of Oregon, parts of just. What about Wisconsin, where I'm from? That's Wisconsin is. Is the impression that people do of Chicago? Mm-hmm. I think is actually Wisconsin. When people say car and bar and kiat, yeah. I think that's more to me. I think that's more Wisconsin. How do you say this now? Where did you grow up? Long Island. Long Island. Okay. So, how do you say this word? C R A Y O N. Crayon. You say crayon. Yeah. Uh, I grew up saying crayon. Just crayon. I've never heard that. Before. Yeah. It's like, uh, do you have any crayons? So I suppose there's crayons. There's there's a little bit of a, a, a divot in it. Where did that comes from? I don't know. I, I mean, everyone's just sort of talking. What part of Wisconsin are you from? Southeastern Wisconsin, so kind of right by Chicago. Yeah. And I always What's think the of... What's the name of the... The, uh, the town? Yeah. It's the dumbest... It's called South Milwaukee, but it's outside of Milwaukee. It's south of Milwaukee. Right. It's also east of Milwaukee. Yeah. It's a disappointment to us all. But it's in between, it's a little factory town in between Milwaukee and, um, Racine. Okay. And there's a town right there called New Berlin that's always called itself New Berlin, but recently has started just calling itself New Berlin. Oh, see, that's going to keep changing. Yeah. I mean, it depends how, how mad we are at the Germans because yeah. they changed it to New Berlin after World War One. Right. They, they, now we're friends. Now we're friends again. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, by the way, I don't claim to be an expert on these accents. I just... It, no, no, fun just, game. Right? It's just crazy that it's the same language, that it's English, and then it can be so different from place to place. Yeah, within... Like, because I... You know, southeastern Wisconsin versus Minneapolis. You know? Minneapolis is almost, to me, more Canadian than sh- Chicago, car, and bar, like... Minneapolis, there's a kind of roundness to it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. There's a, almost kind of a announcing, they sound a little more... Oh, okay. You know. It has more of an announcement to I, it? In my imagination. Right. Because the only thing I can do, like I can do, uh, old cripes, it's nice, it's just straight shot, you want to go up to the Iron Range. It's like just sort of, but and in Milwaukee, I remember when I was a kid, there was an article in the Milwaukee Journal that... Or the Sentinel, I think it was, where they were separate. It's a fascinating point. But it anyway, is. so, but the, it would have been Alex Thien. He was the article guy, and he wrote a thing about how Milwaukee, sort of a Milwaukee-ism, where, and it, and this was the sentence that he used, and it's always been, throw the baby down the stairs a cookie. Meaning? Throw a cookie to the baby. Right. Who, who's first of all whipping cookies? So babies, they, but, but they, what they switched the words around? Yeah, kind of? right. There's some sort of weird, like, why is it Latin all yeah. of a sudden? Why yeah. are we, why are we doing that? Yeah, I wonder if that has roots in whatever German, know, German or, or Norwegian and Swedish. I Swe- guess. Yeah, there's there's all that Northern European yeah. people up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look it. It's 
They look like oh them. my gosh, they're the whitest human beings on the yeah, planet. Yeah, Minneapolis especially is what is that? Oh, so? just one blonde toe-headed yeah, kid after yeah, another. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. there's the melanin has all been imported. Yeah. So I'm starting to hear a little accent, and because I couldn't figure out what if Portland had an accent. Yeah, but there's little there are little things like running, swimming. They like their ing is a little flattened out. Okay. Um, but I, I have yet. Is, but is it different than Seattle? Does it feel any oh, different than Seattle, which is only does. three hours for away? For some reason it does, but I can't pinpoint what it is. Okay. It does have a slight difference yeah. somewhere? I think Seattle, to me, in, in my mind, always sounds very quiet and gentle. <laughs> Seattle, there seems to be some sort of a calm quiet to the way that they speak. <laughs> Where something about Portland running... Swimming. <laughs> We're going to get outside and really yeah. do it. Okay. Sort of po- a little pointier. It feels mm-hmm. a little more, a little more diction Yeah. But that's okay. the fun of life is just getting to, you know. Yeah. Find things out like that. And, and every country has it. You know, you go to Italy or whatever, they all make fun of each other. You know, they all, and it's such a weird thing to me that, that it's such, it's so funny to them. Right. You know, what's weird, what's genuinely weird, uh, and I used to do a bit about it, is the difference... Because I grew up in southeastern Wisconsin, so people would constantly make fun of Illinois. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Minneapolis, which I had never thought about in my entire life. Right. And people in Minneapolis were making fun of me because I was from Wisconsin. Yeah, how about it? And I was like, that was the... I mean, how about it? How about Southside Chicago, Northside Chicago? That's a big, hilarious... <laughs> To them. I'm like, come on, guys. Are we really going to address the same city and you guys are all going to, you know. It's just cool. Yeah. It doesn't. Who, who cares? No one cares. But conversely, uh, going up on Long Island, you better believe that, they, you know, if you're further out on the island, they make fun of that. If you're from New Jersey, forget it. Right. It's a whole other world, right? Yeah. You know, when I first went to New Jersey, the first place I was ever in New Jersey doing stand-up was uh, Princeton. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, this isn't anything like what I heard yeah, in New yeah. Jersey. Is. Yeah. And I wasn't even in the city of Princeton. I yeah. was outside at a Hilton. Yeah. But it was so pretty. Like, New Jersey is gorgeous. It's got a lot of, oh, a lot it's, of woods. Oh, it's huge and, and varied. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's, there's a lot of things going on. Yeah, it's, it's such a big state, too. Yeah, it isn't Union City. No. The entire state is not no. Hoboken from 1989. No, it is not. Yeah. But that's what gets the most of the fame. Oh, and that crazy Jersey Shore business. Yeah, that, it's like Sopranos Jersey Shore. Yeah, have you seen, um, have you ever been to Atlantic City? Wow, I think I haven't. Yeah. I, you're not missing anything. It's horrible. It is? Yeah, yeah. They're doing good work with sandwiches. That's the only good thing that came out of my trip to Atlantic City. They have really good well, work going? with cold cuts. Um, How's the economy? Do people go? Yeah, yeah. People okay, go. so there's an economy there. Oh, yeah. There's a boardwalk. Okay. And there's several casinos. Okay, so is it... Like a Trump But it's not thing. empty and pathetic. It's like people go. People go, but it's just the boardwalk. And then, like, I remember I was told to go to a certain sandwich shop mm-hmm. called the White House or the White Horse. I forget okay. what it is that Sinatra used to go to. Uh-huh. But it's off the boardwalk, and you have to walk through uh, what I guess is a little dodgy, right? And people were, um, the door guy was like, so where is that? He was like, what? wait, it's 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 almost dark. I wouldn't go if I were you. And I was like, what's going to happen? And uh, there was some implication that black people might be met off of the boardwalk. There was some implication that crime might occur. And I had to point out that I wasn't nude running through the streets with money taped to my ass yeah. and screaming, what's going to happen? Yeah. I, you know, I live a little defensively. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty funny, that tone of like, I wouldn't go up there. Uh, where are you from? All right. I wouldn't. Just, it's best if you don't... You want to take a cab? Yeah. And I was like, isn't it seven blocks? Yeah. I'm going to walk, it yeah. turns out. And did you walk? And, I did. Yeah, and it no was fine. Yeah. And I walked. And by walking, I found an outlet mall, which was lovely. Oh, good. I bought myself a coin purse nice. at uh, the coach outlet. It was very nice. nice. A yes. coin purse. A nice coin purse. A snapper coin purse. Do you put your purse. credit cards and stuff in there? I do. It's big enough to... Uh, I, I, I don't have it anymore. I miss it. I mean, because yeah. it was the snapper coin purse. I don't know if you ever saw MASH. Uh, Larry Linville uh, did a great joke about the snapper coin purse, how it says no to pickpockets, and then he clicks it. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's nice writing. Good writing. That's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They did have some good writing on that show. <laughs> they actually did. Yeah. I, I love that show. Yeah. So, um, I'll say one more thing about Atlantic yeah. City. Um, I read this book uh, called Do You and Me by Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. And it's, what's it called? I think it's called 
Dean and me. Dean and me. Okay. The grammar sounds off, but I think that's what it's called. And uh, and I'll look it up. Yeah. And they um they spent you know uh, Martin Lewis spent a lot of time doing their act for you know for, for live audiences. For live audiences. Okay. It was huge. It was the biggest ticket in the country, in the city, in New York oh, cool. City and stuff. But they built it up doing it in Atlantic City. And I hope I remember this number right. They would do eight shows a day. A day. Yeah. Like <laughs> during the day and then into the night. Yeah. They just perfected this thing. They, that's, they did it over and over and over and over. That sounds horrible. Yeah. I don't want to do the same they, joke. That, that's how they, I think that's how a lot of those people did it. Right. I'm, see, I'm, you know, cause there's this new thing in comedy now where you have to write a new hour. And it's not new in Europe. They've been doing it for years. Right. But, um, you know, Louis C.K. talks about it, how he writes a new year every year and a new hour every year. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want to. I write new stuff all the time, mm-hmm. but I'm more than willing to go to the vault if it seems apropos. Oh, I'm into the vault. Yeah. I'm a fan of it as an audience member. Yeah, because who doesn't want to hear the classics? Who doesn't want to hear the classics? And also, I haven't heard the, all the jokes, and I am happy to hear a joke again. Yeah. So if someone has, if one of my friends does a joke that I've heard before, I love it. I, well, I, I'm, I'm doing a hit song. Right. Well, that's I, what... I'm, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of it. You know, I saw Bill Cosby, uh-huh. um, and he always closes. He does, he essentially does like an hour and a half, right? And I saw him twice in three years. And the second time I saw him, it was an entirely new hour mm-hmm. and a half, except for he did one joke about GPS. He repeated the one... He was the first person I had ever heard who did a GPS joke. And then the second time I saw him, he did uh, the GPS joke in a whole other hour. And it was all great. Uh, but he closed both with like a free birdie kind of thing. He right. did the um, dentist okay. joke, right. which I wish he would mix it up because I would love to hear him uh, do the Noah joke. Because right. who doesn't want to hear the greatest I, joke? Yeah. Do it, do it all. Yeah. I saw Jim Gaffigan recently, and he... Uh, he did a joke that, uh, everyone cheered for. Right. And then someone said to me, oh, he does this. This is like a, you know, it's on one of his albums. And I thought, yeah, but I haven't heard it before. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, this is new to me. So I'm really enjoying it. Right. I'm going to listen up very closely at whatever. And, you know, and I, and I'm always writing. It's not that I'm not writing new material, but sometimes it takes, uh, my speculation is 18 months. Yeah. Because I start a joke and it's nine minutes long. Yeah. And then six weeks into doing it, it's six minutes long. And then five months into doing it, it's a tight four and a half. And then I got another year to do it, or I got another ten months to do it and really tighten it up. And, and then it pops, you know? Yeah. And so, you, you always do great. I do. I am. I, I do fine. But it's like I haven't, um, I haven't done a new album in a while. So I'm working on that now to do a new album. And... Some of those jokes are two years old that I'm yeah. going to put on that album, but they've so never I, been recorded. Yeah. People will get to hear them in their homes. Oh, that's the way to treat it, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I like the comparison to music because it leads into, because I said, what are you a dork about? Right. And you said Paul McCartney. Yeah. And he was in Wings, I believe. Is that correct? He was one of the members. He was one of the members of a, yeah. of a band yeah. called Wings. Yeah. And, uh, and he did a Pipes of Peace. I think it was one of his. Yeah, it was one of, but that wasn't a Wings one. That was just, that was, um, Solo McCartney. Okay. So what, what draws you to, you know, cause there's, speaking of, you know, north side of Chicago, south side of Chicago. Right. The Lennon McCartney. Right. Do you have a preference? Or do you just um, love them I don't, both for I, different I, I love them both for different reasons. Yeah. I don't, with that group, I don't, um, I don't separate them and think like one's better than the other. I think they're, they were all brilliant. Yeah. And, but it couldn't no have existed without the other. Without a doubt. Like, yeah. that's just, so that's, you know, that, I just feel like they were both amazing. And George Harrison as well. And Ringo. Yeah. For what he did. Um, but Paul, I just, it, the, the, my whole life I've really been into Paul McCartney. And his, his solo stuff specifically. Oh. And. When did he start going solo? 1970. Oh my gosh. Okay. Because the Beatles broke up in 1970, and he put out his first album in 1970. Okay. But they so all he didn't started go right into Wings. No. He did, like, uh, a few albums of uh, himself as him, just Paul McCartney. Then he was Paul and Linda McCartney for an album, and then Wings was maybe the third album in. Okay. And then that group kind of changed a little bit, but then he he, he kept that together. Until about 1980. Okay. 
So that's all the 70s. All the yeah, 70s, full s- 10 years. Yeah. Um, but there were, I just thought of it because when you asked me, that's the first thing that I could think of that I, I know that I have so, that it speaks for itself. The amount of records of his that I have, how long I've been collecting his <laughs> records. Right. So I tried not to wrestle with the question too hard in my head. Whereas right. Because if I kept digging and digging, I'm sure I could find other things that I was a dork about. Yeah. Um, uh, and then that was the first thing that came to me is like, I know for a fact that for as long as I've been collecting his records and been into him specifically, I, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm a dork about Paul McCartney. Yeah. And that has been, did you get them new? Did you, like when you were a little kid, were you allowed to buy albums? Yeah. My, that's, that's the connection that my, I had with my mom. Okay. That was the main connection was that she bought me, I, I, and I'm, I was too young to have really experienced the Beatles present tense. Okay. After they yeah. broke up. But my mom was into them and she's the one who introduced me to their music. So it's for all the, the, for our relationship, I've been close to my mom, not close to my mom, back and forth, but that's a very bonding thing for us is the Beatles. Right. There's always something with one parent or another that you're like, this is the thing that we do. Yes. And that was your thing as music or the Beatles. Yes. Or both. Uh, Both. But specifically the Beatles. She bought me this Beatles record and, uh, it went from there. So, um, that's that's the one thing that linked us both. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and then from there, so I was anyway. She bought me Beatles records as a kid, and then I would I just started buying Paul McCartney records. Okay, and I would save up, you know, allowance money to get his records, and um, and the older I get, you know, there's one thing to like someone's music, but I am beginning to see that the way that he's conducted himself is the way that I want to be as far as like reinventing yourself because oh. he didn't lean on being an ex-Beatle when he first started out in Wings. Right. He just, he, he was like, he started fresh, fresh new page. Yeah. Like, this is my new thing. Mm-hmm. And this, the music sounded different. And I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of reinvention. I just think that that's the, the pretty much, our, I think it's a way to survive in making when you're that huge, uh, yes, because he was such a big deal. Yeah, he, he was the biggest deal. Right, he, th- those guys were the biggest deal in the world, and yeah. he, and yet he he does. He genuinely seems like a like a, a real person. Yes. In addition to being this icon in yeah. this iconic band. Yes. He was just a guy. Yeah. Who was like, this is what I that's what I do. I, I want to keep doing it. Yeah. I want to keep doing it. He like it, don't like it. I mean, right. And if you buy it because of the Beatles. Well, I hope you like it. Exactly. exactly. That's neat. I like That's, that. And he, yeah. didn't, he didn't Elvis Presley it up. No no offense to Elvis Presley, but right. the, the way that he would go to Vegas and just do his old songs, I think there's something about Paul McCartney that was like very experimental. Yeah. Very arty. He was an arty guy. And well, isn't like some of those, like I got the hits, uh, the way the Wings band, uh-huh. I, I got that album. It's great, yeah. I have one album of every band ever. Yeah. And, do, you, uh, do you buy a lot of greatest hits? Uh, I don't. I just buy, uh, like I would have the first um, White Stripes album, okay. right? Yeah. So I have like the Fun Dot album. Right. Right. I have uh, two Fountains of Wayne. Al- I mean, I, I buy. I bought the soundtrack to Baz Luhrmann, uh, the the new Gatsby movie. Right. So I buy like one off kind gotcha. of stuff. So, like I was talking to Carrie, and I said everything I know about punk rock I know from the soundtrack from Repo Man. But, but that's, that's all I've got, right? Yeah, but it's credible. It's, I mean, those it's, are... It's credible, and there's no right or wrong way to like anything. Right, right, right. And, and it's, it's just, I just don't know a great deal about it. And that's fine, too, yeah, right? It's, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, the thing is, you you like getting music. There are people yeah. who also, music doesn't move them at all. The fact that you have those albums is like, that's... That's, not that's that you need what, my approval for that kind of thing, but like, uh, but, it's, but great to have what, you know. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is. You know, it's not that I don't enjoy music. It's just that I, there are people who like it and are completists, you yeah. know. I have other issues, right? I like to read an entire author. I right. like to collect all of the colors of this beanie baby. I don't, but I mean, if I did, but that would be right. my other, that, that's someone else's thing, Right. right? With records, I like to get it all. You, you're a completist oh, a little yeah, bit? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, iPod-wise, I um, I like to have a whole albums on there, not okay. just songs. Oh, okay. Like so do you make them. mixed playlists no. much? Or do you like to listen to the whole album? I, I, I try to listen to whole albums. 
So how many songs have to be great for you to consider it a successful album purchase? Uh, one. Just one? Mm-hmm. You're like, that'll do. That'll do. Because I think uh, I have the choice to listen to the rest of the album or not, but also I think, you know what? Whatever band this was, they worked on this album. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the future I'll like the other songs more, but one will do. Yeah. Great. Good for you. Yeah. I like the idea of an album because there's supposed to be an, like when I think of a stand-up album, there's an arc to it, right? Yeah. There's yes. a journey. There's a journey. There's some experiments. There's, you know, hits or not hits. So there's, you know, it's like a, a, a capture of time. Yeah. So. This is what, this is this moment. This happened right now. Yeah. So it's great. And then the good news is I feel like there's an album I didn't, used to not like. Sometimes I go back and I go, you know what? This song was great. Okay. Um, conversely, sometimes I, I'll go back to an old album and go like, oh, this did not age very well. Right, well what was I think? <laughs> <laughs> I must have been going through some kind of a period or something. Right. Where, I mean, but the, that, that's true with, that's so true with movies or books or anything where there's, there's sometimes there's just a window when yeah. you, when you get it. Yes. And then when you go back, you're like, oh, that actually is not very good. That is right. unfortunate. That's what you were going through at the time or something. Yeah. 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 That's that's yeah. funny. So do you have all of Paul McCartney's albums? I do. Um, In all of their different iterations, sort of? Or no? Did there's you- some that I don't have on, on CD. Most of okay. them I got on LP. There, there might be a few. I think he did um, a children's album. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thing called the Frog Chorus that I don't have. Not out of anything. Not out of, out of any right. judgment, I just don't have it, and I feel like I'll get around to getting all those things. Right. But have I have you all heard kinds it? of singles. The Frog Chorus, or I, I haven't. Okay. No. Yeah. Um. So. Oh yeah, singles, forty fives. Yeah, I've got I've got a bunch and yeah. twelve inch singles and um. Yeah, and and uh, what are different, different versions? How is that first solo album from nineteen seventy? Is it good? It's amazing. Is it? It's amazing. But you you might know the song. Maybe I'm amazed. Okay. How's um, it go? Maybe I'm amazed by the. Oh way my God! Yes, I know that song. The time. <laughs> yeah. Right me when I'm wrong. Um, yeah. That's a beautiful song, and also he plays everything up. He plays the drums. He plays the guitar. He plays the bass. And I uh, that's an uh, an added thing about Paul McCartney that I really like. That Prince used to do as well. The play he, all the instruments. He can play all the instruments. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Wait. Can John Lennon play all the instruments or play some instruments? I think instruments? they were all very multi-instrument. Right, because Elvis yeah. couldn't play the instruments, right? Yeah, or he wasn't a guitar I mean, player or anything. No, right, and was, again, no judgment on Elvis. No, no. But yeah, he's, he's his he own thing. Very, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think those guys were really into music. Right, they were incredibly musically uh, adept as well. And so, yeah, like some of the songs on that Wingspan album, they'll be, it's almost like they're three different songs in one song. Like there'll be like a time change or... Yeah, and it's a total theme change. Band on the Run is like that. Band on the Run sounds like it's like three or four different songs. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bunch of different songs. So I was like, well, no, I I only like the first song and the third song in this one song. Yeah. And... (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's kind of good. It's kind of like, I think jokes can be that way too, where it's just sometimes it's like a story, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's just a one-off. Yep. You know. Um, but that's something that I, that from that first album that I really liked, that he played everything on it. Yeah. I, I like, admire that. Does he still do that? Does he still play a lot of the instruments on, on the, or is he I think not studio? as much. He's got this band now. Okay. Um, and they're, they're brilliant. They, so I think that was like an early thing that he did for a while. Okay, sort of. Band on the Band on the Run is almost like that. He plays drums on it. Okay, was he? What didn't he play the guitar in the Beatles? He, he was the bass player. In the Beatles. He was the bass player. Okay, but if you hear piano on it, usually it's him playing piano, like Let It Be or something. Okay, but he was a uh, and he still plays the bass in his band. So when he goes out and he tours, he's always I'm doing this lefty because he's yeah. a lefty. Oh, is he a lefty? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so he's he's really a bass player. He's really a bass player. There's and. A, and one of the best bass players ever. Oh, really? Oh, in my opinion. Yeah. Why? Well, um, he's very melodic. He plays a lot, a lot of notes, and which I think people who play instruments should be should show should off be able what to they do. <laughs> because bass is it's it's sort of a percussion instrument, is it not? I would say yeah. bass is a really interesting, weird instrument because sometimes you don't notice it. Yeah. Unless it's out. And you go, what happened to the song? Right. And um, if so everything can be going on in a song. 
if you change the note of the bass, you've changed the, the note of the whole song. The whole song becomes, it has a different musical meaning. Huh. Once you What's change a, the bass. Is there, um, is there anything you can think of that would exam, exemplify that? I suppose it would be hard to, I mean, because it would have to be a song that was in, it was in the midst of being created to really notice it. Because do you, you, do you write music? I feel like you might. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I did for, I do, you know, we do some stuff for Portlandia and I, I did a lot of fake bands for SNL. Yeah, which I, and so you wrote music for those things. Um, or did you play? Yeah, no, I yeah. played and wrote, and wrote, wrote it stuff. and everything. Yeah. Well, your career is kind of fascinating to me because didn't you, weren't you with the Blue Man group in Chicago? I, I played drums in the Chicago is show. You, okay. Group. Yeah. That's, were you in Blue Makeup? No, no. You were not blue? No. Okay. Um, there were musicians who accompanied the blue men. Okay, so orchestra pit kind of thing or background? They did this other thing where you were above the stage. Oh. In these like sort of... Like Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, like black light. Okay. So we were painted sort of yellow and green as sort of stick figures. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. I, I really, um, I loved it. It was a really good education in, in entertainment. Oh, yeah, it just to really see It really taught me a lot about how... Like it taught me a lot about you should be doing things on stage. The meaning, whole show, meaning meaning audiences like to come and see a show. Yeah, they pay and they just want to be entertained. Yeah, as opposed to overthinking it. And I, I, I was in a band at the time, and I, I think I thought I overthought it as far mm-hmm. as what what are, what are you going to be? Do you have to make these like long albums or anything? And the answer is no. Audiences just want to be entertained. In a live show. They, they want they, they will pay whatever, thirty bucks. Yeah. Entertain us. And they're happy. And I thought, oh yeah, I'm just that's all they want. Right. Is it a is it a busyness that you're talking about? Or just to make sure that every every part of the show is is it, engaging? Meaning, uh don't knock yourself out trying to over conceptualize what you're gonna do and <laughs> the meaning behind it. Okay. You, you could, you can paint Doesn't yourself. Doesn't have to be a metaphor. No. Paint yourself blue. <laughs> yeah. And do an act. I've never on seen the blue. Oh, okay. What, so what is. And you it? know, if you take Cirque, Cirque du Soleil as an example, mm-hmm. it's like you don't have to have a narrative. You don't have. Just if you, if it's entertaining enough, that's great. Yeah, I and just saw it for the first time and it was pieces. Yeah. They were different pieces. They and were it, even different groups. Yeah. Like there was one group who were a bunch of guys who could stand on each other's shoulders and tumble around a lot. Right. And then I didn't see them again for another 20 minutes. Right. And then they came out and did another trick that the six of them could do together. Uh-huh. But that was it. And then there was three other people who could crawl along the, you know, could do other yeah. things. And it's great. Yeah, it, it was, was all great. The it audience was, is packed and it's... Sold out. It it's, was... It's like not asking for much. Like, why don't you just entertain and then we're, we'll be here. Yeah. So it, the show happened night after night and that's what... In Chicago and I thought... I just sort of realized that, yeah, there's people everywhere and they just, they'll bring their family as long as it's entertaining. Right. But getting back to your bass question. Yeah. A good, I think a good band to listen to, to hear bass in, uh, the difference between bass and not bass is, is, um, the police. Okay. So it's easy. You could find out where the bass is and then whenever he drops out, you could hear the song just sort of open up and like, where, where are we? Yeah. So it's, it's huh. just that it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a very strange but great instrument. So anyway, Paul McCartney does. He's a he's a bass utilize player. it very well. Yeah, and it, is it because there's different personalities attached? People talk about like, don't give the money to the drummer. Yeah, or so that's a line actually in Guitar Hero. I'm sorry. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> don't have the drummer be in charge of the money. Yeah, and is that something? Does that resonate? What do you think? I think it's like a common musician's joke that the you know the drummer's the dummy and all this stuff. But oh. I don't think. Wait, that was in marching band. They used to call yeah that was and it never made any sense to me because I was always friends with the drum. Yeah, the it's, it's it's like a common joke because um, the drum isn't a, isn't a melodic instrument, so it, it's very repetitive. So it feels so like it, feels it like doesn't the, take the caveman of the band. Got it. It's just I, it's a fair joke, but I think. Um, there's dummies all around. Sure. Have you met a there's, saxophone player? Yeah. Right. Like, sometimes smart. Sometimes there's not that singers, bright. There's dumb singers. There's dumb guitar players. Sure. Yeah. There's sometimes the brightest person in the world, Piccolo. Yeah. This guy. Right. Guy just bringing it. Yeah. And uh, what? Uh, but you were also talking about the because you played the drum, and so you hear the drum more often 
Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge I mean Fan. I, I'm a drummer yeah. first and foremost. So um I I've heard that I I've, someone said once that a band is only as good as its drummer. So if you have a terrible drummer, your band can be terrible. You know, you've got to have a good drummer. I feel like Genesis. Didn't that guy sing too? Yeah, that would be uh, Phil Collins. Phil Collins, <laughs> yeah. yes. And yeah, but he was the drummer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, who are the great drummers? Uh, in my book, Keith Moon, Stuart Copeland, Ringo Starr, Clem Burke from Blondie. From Blondie, okay. Um, Janet Weiss, I'm a fan of. What's uh, she in? She played with, with Carrie in Theater Kenny. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, okay. And Wild Flag. Uh, I would say Topper Hedden from The Clash, mm-hmm. Dave Barbarossa, um, Tito Puente, the Latin timbali player, yeah. was great. Um, I didn't grow up on jazz, so I don't know all the jazz drummers. I'm only coming from a rock place. Right, right. And it's... The, I remember, cause I come from a marching band place, mm-hmm. and, uh, I loved, one of my, f- like, like my favorite instruments in the world are like the timpani, uh-huh. the cello, and, uh, and the French horn, <laughs> or the flugelhorn. I really like the flugelhorn. Interesting. Yeah, and. The, wait, let's, let's go through that again. The, the timpani. timpani. Yes. I also like that instrument. Do you like the or- orchestral timpani or the marching drum kind of? Uh, the orchestral one. Oh, cause it has a deeper. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, it's really something. Yeah, it's absolutely. always moving. What's this? What's this instrument? You know that um, instrument with a? It's like a bell with a with a little yeah. hammer thing. I don't know the name of it, but it's like a, I know what you're talking about. It's almost yeah. like a sound effect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You hit the ball and it's like. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, that's another good instrument. Yeah, I got I got some faves. Yeah. But the timpani is always it always adds drama. Drama. Yeah. And it, it looks cool. It's a cool... Yeah. In marching band, there were the three drums, the triple set that they would do. Sort of toms. Yeah. Those... Marching marching band always sounds great. I love a, I love a marching band. Yeah. Same here. It's I, always a good sound. Like, the sound of the drums, particularly, it's always great. I, I want... Uh, my friend Stefan was the uh, was in the drums. Stefan and Paul were my two friends that were uh-huh. drummers in, in high school and... Uh, after high school, after college, there was there, there was a reunion of the marching band, and so I got my trumpet and went to rehearsal. I wasn't going to be there for the thing, but the, but they said that I could come and just sit in the rehearsal and play the nine songs that we used to play in marching. So you band. played trumpet. I played yeah, I played clarinet, mm-hmm. and then I played bass clarinet in concert band, and mm-hmm. then I played trumpet in marching band. So yeah. it was uh, I wasn't very good at any of them. Uh, I was very much a team, you know. Sure. Uh, but the, when they played the cadence, you know, the, when you yes. march, I laughed and cried because it was such a visceral memory. Yeah. Whenever you hear it's a real, beat, I mean, it's real sense memory. It's great. It's yeah, that's a great sound. Did you ever hear Scottish drumming? No. It's like, it's marching band also. You've heard it in police, um, sometimes in police the band. parades. Oh, police parades. And it's these really tightly, tightly tuned snare drums that sound like... Yeah? That's Scottish? Uh, I've heard it in Scottish yeah. bands. Um, I don't know where it originates from, mm-hmm. but that's how I identify it. It's sort of Scottish, like... That very, like, almost it sounds like paper. That does. It sounds yeah like thin. Yeah, very thin, but like, it's, like it's kind of cool. Did you have you played all different kinds of drums, or what? What do you yeah, like? Yeah, I to like my favorite kind of drumming is um. Well, first of all, very show offy drumming. I like a lot of flair and and hamminess in drums. Yeah, <laughs> which Keith Moon had. Um, but uh, I like Latin drumming, like um, uh, mu- music from Cuba and Puerto Rico and uh, and New York, really. Okay, timbales are these high pitched. Drums that Tito Puente used to play, they look like they're about half the size of a tom tom, and okay, they're very so metallic they're, looking. There's usually narrow. two. They're narrow. Okay. Um, there's usually two of them. They sound like bang 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 ding 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 ding. It's like okay. this kind of very shrill, resonating. But sound. a tone to it more than yeah a, yeah. Not as much snare drummy as just a real. Yes, it's very like, not rock and roll because. Um, it doesn't lay down a beat. It just kind of rumbles along to the song. Oh, it's kind okay. of rumbling. 
It's it's very like um, it, it the purpose of it I think was to make people dance and it and it did so that salsa dancing and all that uh, sometimes you hear a little cowbell in it okay um, but that is my favorite that sound of the timbales is my favorite sound it's the favorite okay and and yeah. is that sometimes used in a drum set or is it usually One just now, yeah now a lot of fancy pants drummers will put it in their <laughs> drum set yeah yeah but traditionally it's a man standing. Or woman, singer. right? Just Sheila E was uh, brilliant at it. Oh, really? She was brilliant at it. Yeah, Sheila E. That's her instrument, and it's just if you stand and it's these two drums, sometimes six, mm-hmm. and you sort of stand and you just play along. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. Have you uh, done any salsa dancing? Have you done that? Yeah, I took salsa dancing lessons mm-hmm. when I was in Chicago, and then I got really into salsa music, and and I had like a salsa band for a little while. Just played with them. Yeah. Okay. But not a professional good one, just more like sort of, I'm gonna, I want to have a salsa band. Right, and just hang out and play salsa. Yeah. Which is, I think is, is because uh, Carrie was talking about that the one of her sort of, she doesn't meditate, she'll practice guitar. Uh-huh. And it'll bring her to kind of a, a, a zen place, yeah, you I know? Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, so I think that that's, doing stuff like that, like it's it's also creative, but it's not the creative thing that you do. So right. it it sort of very much refills your coffers of of this is just for fun. Yeah. Whether we're amazing at it or we aren't, it yeah. does not matter. Which is great. Yeah. It's like the you know the uncool ver- uh, definition of it would be hobby. Right. <laughs> right. Hobby is such an antiquated word in a way, but really, if you get down to it, that's exactly what it is. It's a hobby. Right. Well, I have friends who play like pickup basketball, mm-hmm. you know, and who just or play basketball with their friends, or they go out and they play uh, kickball, and they end up drinking some beer, but they kickball, you right. know, and that's just a silly fun, and it's athletic, and it's right. they want to win, mm-hmm. but they're not married to the to the competition of no, no. Yeah. So I, I think that I think that that's so good to have that kind of thing in life because you know, like we all we do stand up, you know, you do some right. acting, you do but if you can if you could do everything, like if you could do painting and if you could do music and if you could it just it makes your whole life more grounded because you're not you're not going to be good at everything. No. And it's good for your brain I think to have a part of it that isn't focused on being the best. Or, yeah. that's, you know, it's just like something that you can just enjoy for it for itself. Yeah. I feel that way, especially about paint. I don't paint, mm-hmm. but looking at paintings and... Okay. Just appreciating art. Appreciating it. It's kind of like, that's another, it's like a version of a hobby that like, it's it's a nice, in that, in this subject that we're talking about, it's like, I don't paint. So it's so yeah. easy to not have to deal with like feeling competitive or how to get better and it's like no all I have to do is look at this painting right that's my job right now that's it yeah and you like it you don't like it yeah. and then you go oh I guess I that's, whatever I don't know that. anything about it yeah yeah and and when somebody does know something about it like I went to the Guggenheim um with my husband who has a degree in fine art and as we go up the circle of the Guggenheim it becomes more and more modern and more and more sort of I don't know, uh, I'm sure there's an artistic word for it, but like existential or just like a weird, like there was a dot, a, a giant black dot mm-hmm. that was pushed up against the side of the painting. Mm-hmm. And all it was was a black dot on the side of this piece of canvas. Mm-hmm. And we got to it and I said, now here we are. I don't know what this is. And this is where the mocking usually begins in my head because I don't know what the hell I'm looking at right. and why this would be here, right? right? Why is this something? And he had an answer. He had an answer because he knows more about it and cares more about it. So he came from, his answer came from uh, a sort of... Art, an art history. Art history. Yeah. Okay. Because of what, uh, when when it was from, when was it from? Uh, it was modern art and it was from the 60s, or the uh-huh. 50s or 60s. Or something well, like that. And he was talking about, <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Uh, well, there's, there's yeah. context. Oh, there's right. context to when it happened. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He had complete, and he had context from the time, and he had context from where art was. Why does he know this? Because he'd studied, he, that's what he studied. And he studied art? Yeah, he's a, a degree where? in fine art at UCLA. Wow. Yeah. and What a thing to know. Right. I mean, that's a really cool, yeah. like everybody is so, so interesting. Like, so, like, it's like when anybody, like James P. Connolly just did an episode on Elvis, mm-hmm. and he knew more about Elvis than I would ever want to know about Elvis, but I learned things. Like, Elvis was fascinating, right? Oh, 
And Can you imagine? Yeah. He was. He said that, uh, and I had never thought of it this way, is that Elvis Presley was the Petri dish of fame. He was the first guy Interesting. to whom everyone was like, no, you're going to do these 30 movies, you uh-huh. always have to do this, and you are amazing. Yeah. Like, I guess uh, in Clambake and other movies, because he was doing 30 mo- three, year, three movies a year, and he would just show up for his scenes and they stopped worrying about continuity after Blue Hawaii. So he was on Clambake. He's singing some song, mm-hmm. and he's wearing nightclub clothes. Everybody else is in bikinis and swim trunks, yeah. and he's wearing a black turtleneck and dress shoes. Yeah. And they were like, uh, he only has two hours. They still do that now. Yeah, well, it, he, but that, James Connelly so was funny. saying that that's what it felt like, yeah. that it felt like he was the first guy. Yeah. That they were like, well, we're going to... We're going to just see what fame does to this guy. Yeah. And it feels like a Marilyn Monroe. And it went. It didn't. I mean, I'm sure those movies made money, but I. Yeah. I yeah, yeah they always made money. Dis- I don't know if those are good decisions, really, but who knows what he wanted. No, no. Supposedly, according, uh, and James is like, well, I don't know for sure, but right. everything I've read and everything I've studied, because uh, he cares a lot about, it was something that he shared with his mom, mm-hmm. the Elvis thing. And so um, he was like, Elvis, he wanted, at one point, wanted to act, act. He was offered a Star is Born, the Chris Christopherson part. Really? And the colonel made him turn it down. Why? Because it wasn't an Elvis movie. It was a Barbara Streisand movie. <sighs> and Elvis was mad. He was like... It would have been a thing for him. It would have been the best, because, and I guess um, the producers were like, no, no, he doesn't even have to act. Because this part was essentially written for him. I had he no is idea. that guy. Yeah, me neither. How crazy is that? I mean, everyone knows something like that, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what the door for it. Yeah. <laughs> there was some... There, a Petri dish, I guess, for maybe music fame. I wonder if there were... And I, I don't know the answer to this. In in the 20s, I think there were some stars that... But I don't... I, I don't. Like Jelly Roll Morton, or... That was more the teens? I mean, I mean, um, movie, movie stars. Oh. Petri dish Fatty of movie stars. Arbuckle? Yeah, Clara Bow or, right? or Charlie Chaplin. I mean, they were celebrities. Laurel and Hardy were celebrities, but I don't think they ever had to be used the way that Elvis Presley was. Right. He so, was... I mean, there's some, something sounds a little amiss in how they how his life was handled, but... Yeah. Um, certainly Clara Bow and... Um, Rudolph Valentino, maybe? Rudolph Valentino. Like, they were... That, that must have been a new kind of fame at the time. Right, because it... I mean, it, it's sort of like the, the invention of television and film and all these things made everybody's face so much more recognizable Yeah, that you couldn't... And television, I mean, Elvis came up in that TV era right. when it was just, you know... I mean, when you walk around, you are recognized probably, but it's not like you're mobbed. It's not like right. you're on one of the three channels that exist. Right, right. And that's, a, that's, a, that's a level. That's another level. That's a whole other level. Yeah. Like, I saw George Clooney one time. No, better example. I saw Bill Murray at lunch mm-hmm. and in L.A. And granted, it was in L.A., so everybody studiously ignored him mm-hmm. so that he could have lunch. Mm-hmm. But the ratcheting up of just the attention span, you got to feel that coming at you. Where you're like, I was just going to have a salad. Is that something? Can yeah. I just have a salad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think with all the crying at the Beatles, you know, that wasn't that something, the screaming and the crying? Yeah. That's one of the reasons they stopped performing live. It's because they couldn't focus? It was or- too loud. <laughs> too loud. The screaming was literally, they didn't have the equipment to drown out all the screaming, so that, that's wow. why they just went to record all the time. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. I heard that that's why Steve Martin stopped doing stand-up. He couldn't hear yeah, himself just, think. Yeah, I think he. I think he just was done with it. Yeah, and I heard Chappelle had some same problems with that. Oh, I could see that. He's like, I, stop yelling bits for me to do. Right. I have a I set could, list. I could totally see that. Yeah, he can't. He couldn't think, and he couldn't hear himself. Yeah. And but that seems that's interesting. That that's why they had to stop touring. When did they stop touring? Do you know? The 65, 60, 66, 65 into sixty-six was the last. Yeah, the last show they played was in San Francisco. Oh. Candlesticks, Candlestick Park. And then they, but from there they just, you know, became recording, you know, history makers. Right, right, because they just. Because Sergeant Pepper came right after that. Oh, okay. Disappeared into like recording. Okay. Yeah. 
I saw, I never saw the Sgt. Pepper movie with them. I saw the remake with the uh, Bee Gees. That, uh, yeah, that was like, I'm sure they just... It was terrible. I'm sure they just... Uh, but I was 11. ...licensed so. out the, the music or whatever. I mean, there are yeah. been versions of, you know, movie things with Beatles songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I think that that's... I had Allie Willis on the show, and she wrote September for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay. And uh, she wrote a bunch of Earth, Wind, and Fire. She wrote Boogie Land Wonder... Boogie oh, wow. Wonderland. I didn't know this. Okay. Yeah. So I had never... She did Uncap. And that's where I met her. And someone said, why don't you allmusic.com, Allie Willis, and you will have your mind blown. Wow. And so I did. She wrote the theme to Friends. You're kidding me. No, she wrote the, the hit from Friends. What, what is she like? Like is she, she is really, her dorkdom is kitsch. She is from Detroit. Where does she live? She lives in Los Angeles. She wears uh, layers, very colorful layers of clothing. And What's uh, her instrument? Is she a piano person? Uh, I don't know. I don't think she reads music. She just writes it. Is she single? I, I believe. I don't know. I think she's about sixty. And uh, she. But you didn't see a husband hanging around. I did not. Her. I did not see any sort of partner. And but I did. How was her home? Amazing. Uh, I did, did not. She came to my home, and we did it there. She did invite me because she has a museum of kitsch. Okay. She owns, uh, I guess, in the late seventies, they printed it, Michael Jackson uh, in. In, in France, they made a Michael Jackson candy bar, mm-hmm. and she owns one of them. And Michael Jackson's nephew came over to write some music with her one day, and he saw it, and he was like, we, didn't, we weren't allowed any other candy bar than that candy bar for years because they didn't sell well. And they, the, the French, the company, sent them to Michael Jackson, and he stored them in his house. And that was the candy bar that all the kids had to eat for years. <laughs> It's a it's a walk down memory oh lane in the dark forest. God. I know it. There's something sweet about that. I yeah, guess, literally. But uh, well, no, no. I understand. It's kind of. Oh, okay. My candy bars didn't sell. I'll just give them to. I mean, I just give them back to the guy. Him. Good for him that he put it to, put them to good use. Right, right. And the nephew was like, they were so gross. It was just like a milk chocolatey kind of plasticky. Really? Yeah, it said it wasn't good. That's too bad. There was a reason why. Because they if it's from France, I'm I'm expecting some good chocolate. Right. It would have been which if it would European have been good chocolate. Yeah, if it would have been nice European chocolate, it might yeah. have sold better. But it was, I guess, a sad American chocolate oh, from 1960. Come on, American chocolate companies. Rise to the occasion. Rise. You're overseas. Yeah. Let's do this. Go crazy. Mm-hmm. So you uh, have you have you been to France ever? Let's talk about travel briefly. Uh-huh. Have you I've, been everywhere? I've been a lot I haven't of places. Been to, I haven't been to Asia. No? But I've been all over Europe and South America. Oh, that's that's right, because you're... Your mo- My mom's Venezuela. Your mom's from Venezuela. And we lived originally. in Brazil for a couple of years. Oh, that's nice. In Rio de Janeiro. Did you ever go to the, 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 the festival? The, the car- big carnival? The carnival. <laughs> the carnival was kind of all around. Almost uh, all year long? No, uh, but around carnival time, like... There was a lot of drum rehearsals and stuff. That's kind of what got me into wanting to play the drums. Is yeah. That there are these, what's called samba schools, which just means a marching band. Okay. You know, and uh, they would all practice out by the beach and, and it's an incredible sound. Um, many, many, many drummers at the same time playing it. And it, it was the best. It, that music still makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Samba and it's, music. A, it's samba music and it's mostly just drums? Yes. Or is it every instrument? Mostly drums. Mostly drums. And how many drummers are we talking about? Well, there's parades of like, you know. Just 40 people yeah. drumming? But it's, it's not willy nilly. It's not chaotic. It's like there's very It isn't a drum in? It's, no. It's like a bunch of them will have something called sordos, which are these big, almost like timpani, but one, played with one hand. Okay. That keeps the low notes going. Yeah. There's little panderas, like these little sort of tambourini drums. These kind of snare drums, uh, um, go-go bells, okay, shakers, yeah, and um, this really driving uh, beat that's kind of um, really repetitive okay. and very hypnotic, and it sounds kind of African, which is probably where it came from originally, but um, it just makes you want to dance. It oh it yeah it puts like it's it's like being possessed, <laughs> right. I mean, it's just like... Do people just follow them around and dance to it? Is that... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so... 
it's not like something like salsa where you have to know how to do it. It's like this, this like really steady beat that is just, you can't help but get really into it. And also the melodies, it'll be a lot of people singing at the same time. Right. It's very hypnotic. It's a, it's a very, you do fall into it. What are they singing? Are they singing lyrics? Are they? They're singing lyrics in Portuguese, but I don't know quite what they're about. Right, right, but probably about dancing. One would imagine. Yeah, it's a, oftentimes it's, it's very simplistic. Like it's it's sort of sometimes it's just it's like the same melody over and over. Again. Right, right, but a lot of times like like music like that where it's it's designed to get you up and going. Yeah, sings about itself. Yeah, they're like. Can you hear what's going on? Yeah. This is awesome. And it works. And it totally works. It makes you want to get up. Yeah, and... it works. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So, um, okay, I might, I might need to get an album. Yeah, I mean, to buy a samba album is like, it's, it's almost like the equivalent of saying buying a marching band album, where it's like, you can't, you have to really go out to record stores and just like look around and go, I guess this is a good album. And like, yeah. The, the album cover has a parade. <laughs> I'm going to assume this is good. And, for me, I think I've had the most success finding the crappiest, you know, yeah, compilation. Just because it's a little less curated, and you could just find. Well, and it's and it's really hard to pick. You know, you. I mean, there's no way to really. Nobody has. Yeah, it hasn't. It's not curated. Yeah. Have you been to like I did a whole episode with Jake Johansson, who loves the New Orleans Jazz Fest. Okay. Which is not. He said there's very little jazz. Right. There's some jazz, but it's mostly just rock. Yeah, I've heard that too. And he said that one of the things he loves about it is the is the carnival festival to mm-hmm. it, where people are on the streets playing music and yeah. they're on the streets in giant crayfish outfits mm-hmm. or whatever. And um, have you been? Do you do you like a, a music festival? Some. Um, like, do you see a lot of live music? I guess is. The I do. Yeah, I, I try to. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it loud, but that's because I was born 107. But if you ne- find it loud. You have, I guess you have to honor that a little bit. Uh, uh, one I mean, key to that yeah. is bringing earplugs. Okay. To just sort of dumb it. Because to, 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 to you, you don't want to damage your ears. And putting in earplugs helps a great Because you actually hear it better. Yeah, because then you can... I want to hear the melody. I want to... Go to a drugstore. They have those little earplugs. Oh, totally. There. I have them for the flight. And yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, they're, they're great. I, yeah. I, I use them quite a lot. I like that. I like using earplugs. And so you're not deaf afterwards. What do you love about seeing live music? Versus it's, it makes you happy to be alive. I mean, it's, okay. it's, it's the reason. It's like a reason to live. Okay. You know, like, it's like the ultimate art form. Yeah. It's the ultimate thing that when we all die, we'll go, oh, I did get to see Devo. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's like, for me, like, it's like kind of an ultimate joy. What me. are some of the greatest bands you've seen, like live, like were, that were great concerts at the time? I mean, because there's the a Clash. million great. You saw the Clash play. Yeah, I mean, in was, a, you know, I was seventeen, sixteen. I think I was sixteen, and it changed my life. Yeah, I remember every moment of it. And then, oh, are you kidding? I mean, it just changed my life. Just because you had heard the album so much, and yeah. then you went and saw you them, and went, yeah, and then I worshipped them, and yeah. there they were, there they were, their songs. Huh? How and big then, was the audience? Was it big? Was yeah. it the heyday? Oh, or? definitely. Okay, it was, it was. They never quite played arenas, right? When I saw them, but it was still a sizable audience. And uh, a place called the Pier, Pier eighty four in New York. So it's like it, a pier and a crowd. Oh, so outdoors? Yeah, it was an outdoors thing. Yeah, yeah. what a dream. But I've seen a million bands and, right. and little teeny places that changed my life and, and big places that changed my life. And yeah. I've seen Prince, you know, 10 times, 15 times or something. And every what? time it's been life-changing. Every time? Yeah. He's incredible. What's he doing that I don't know? What's he, what's he like? His whole, his whole existence is performance. So he makes each performance seem like it's the last very, thing. Yes. Very <laughs> special. Like, he keeps going and going and going. And he plays the bass. He plays the drums. He plays the guitar. He stops his band. You know. Yeah. will sort of do a dramatic sort of like talk about something. He dances like crazy. He really makes each each performance. He makes sure that you leave going like that's the best thing I've ever seen. That's 
Yeah, I would. That's hit neat. after hit. And his musicians are the best. He's the best. Right. He sings like there's no nobody else. Huh. Yeah, because people, you know, I lived in Minneapolis for a long time. And yeah. people are like, you know, he's a genius. And I was like, little red Corvette. And they're like, stop. Stop talking. And uh, they would like me to hear other. Like, I don't have enough Prince to know the greatest thing about Prince. But every, every. But even the, if you take Little Red Corvette. The instrumentation of it is yeah. not like regular funk. It's not like it's like this weird synthesizers. And what was he doing? Yeah. Why, why did he put a song together like that? The subject matter of a little red Corvette is even really—it's a really specific choice. It's like wow, that's so poetic and yeah. Uh, that is not just a guy just saying, you know, let's just do like a pop song he, about a like, car. Yeah, it was a very that. It's that is I can only think of the work of genius. The fact that he's from Minneapolis makes him a genius to me. I'm like, why there? Yeah. This is not a Motown guy. Nope. This is not a guy from Harlem or Manhattan. It's, right. It isn't like a like a crucible of of an no. inner city kind of moment. No. It, it's, it's a Minnesota guy. I'm like, this is a guy from Minneapolis. Right. What, he's what just happened? a Minnesotan. <laughs> and he there's something new wavy about that. Period in his music. I mean, what a genius that guy is. You know, whenever I think about like the people, some of my favorite things in music are the lyrics because I'm a spoken word person. Uh-huh. So I'm always thinking of the lyrics. And I, like, I just bought my brother. Um, all it was was the poetry of Leonard Cohen, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it w- went to music or anything, but he's a big fan of Leonard Cohen. Okay, and that's a nice present. Yeah, yeah. It was a there was a it was at a bookstore. So it was a thing, and it was his birthday. So, uh, I thought, and, but the, uh, but it's hard. Like people always talk about Jim Morrison being this amazing poet mm-hmm. and I've ne- you, you can't get compilations mostly of people's just lyrics. You have to listen to them in the context I of the music. I guess you do. I mean, maybe that's because of the way they designed it. Right. That's part of it. But, right. Um, it's the whole picture, right? Yeah. Or something. But there's some lyrics that I would agree with deserve. Are poetry. They're yeah. just gorgeous. Yeah. And they resonate in there. And it isn't, you know, I mean, Joni Mitchell's very, it's beautiful. Yeah. But there's other stuff that you're like, well, that guy, it's the Pogues, you know, like the, yeah. they're, those guys are, they're screaming and they're swearing and they're talking about drinking, but they're also talking about life. And yeah. it's so beautiful. Yeah. And I, I just, I have to, I have to figure out, I think, a way for me is to marry those two and to accept the music with it because sometimes I want to separate them and go I appreciate it it's okay yeah that's alright if that's the way you uh, listen to it that's great I like to be able to understand the words too yeah yeah I and if I can't sometimes I don't and I'm like what's happening yeah if I can't understand them I want them to print them in the jacket yeah because I get it you want to mumble you want to scream them that's fine but can I know what you're saying isn't it funny when you look and you're like oh that's what you're saying only the lonely get laid that yeah. wasn't what they were saying no. in that mo- that song. No, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what they were saying, but it was something else. Yeah, and <laughs> so yeah, what is it? What are they? Only the lonely. I don't know what. Only the lonely do something. Yeah, correct. And I looked it up once, but I've forgotten it since. Yeah. So, but I've always thought that they've said only the lonely get laid. Can play? Can play? Know. Maybe. I don't know. And it's true, the lonely do get laid. So good for them. Yeah. Knock themselves out. Yeah. I hope it all works out. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So what uh, is there, what, what's your favorite Paul McCartney album? Is there one? There's an album called Ram. Yeah, R-A-M? That is, I think, just the best album that ever existed ever. Okay. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. And uh, I there still listen to it. Are there hits there both There's, there's one called... Um, uh, Uncle Albert. Yeah. I'm so sorry, mm-hmm. Uncle Albert. Um, but it's just like this beautiful, perfect album that I, I just love. That's... I, I love it. I love it. And the album cover is great. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the art and the whole yeah. package. Because that Wingspan thing, it has a, an album, a CD of history and a CD of hits. Yes. And a lot the... of that album is on the history one. Okay. Yeah, I think I have a, just so we can visualize it, I have like a... You've got a collector's edition, kind of all Yeah, I love um, some of the, 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 his, the hits side of it. 
blew me away because there were something like 50 songs that were all number one hits or something. But this is, That's it's got a RAM. Yeah. And uh, this is a great, this is awesome. I and know. it's, I just, and it's a two album set. I think this version is two, to put two LPs on it. Oh, that's beautiful. The original was a single album, but I don't know. I just like the idea of just reinvention. You know, this is the person not leaning on the fact that he was a Beatle. Right. This could be just this, know, anybody. It could be his brand new album yeah. of a guy that you've never heard of, and it would yeah. still be amazing. Because it wasn't... Because his music... What did he write in the Beatles? Let me, let's just leave on sort of that. Sort of like, what did he write in the Beatles that were... Well, let's say, even though they're credited to Lennon-McCartney, you can, I think you can trust that he wrote Yesterday. Okay. I think you can trust that he wrote Let It Be. Yeah. Um, so, like, what did hey Lennon... Hey Jude. Hey Jude. Uh, that's... That, those are the, those, those three pretty much kind of, that's what people think he pretty much wrote. You just, you could tell. You yeah. just know. Even though they're all credited Lennon-McCartney, there's some that you just know are very John Lennon, and there's some that you know are very Paul McCartney. And which ones are John Lennon-y? As an example, you know, you, revolution. You, you, or? You, revolution seems like John Lennon. Yeah, uh, you would say that Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is John Lennon. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, he, that's you know, come together, very John Lennon. All right, Fred Arson, thank you so much. My pleasure, and Jackie, it's great to see you again. Great to see you too. This is uh, uh, thanks for listening, folks. I hope you had a good time. It's All great. Right. Hey, it's Jackie Cation at the end of the show. I'm just here to tell you where I'm going to be. Uh, the next couple of weeks doing stand-up comedy. I'm in Los Angeles, of course. You can always check JackieCation.com for the actual hot links and all that stuff. But I'm in Tucson, upcoming Labor Day weekend. The week after that, I am in San Francisco doing a live The Dork Forest in the Mission District at some video store. Uh, feel free to check JackieCation.com for ticket links and links to where it's going to be at. Thanks again for listening, folks. Take care out there. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?